0: Good morning, White Oak, and uh, welcome. Uh, we are continuing our series, Light in the Darkness. And I uh, just want to make you aware, uh, we did this in the first service um, at Ross today. Nathan's talking about suicide. And so uh, just something to be aware of and be praying for those, uh, um, those over in Ross about that as he kind of dives in and handles that tough topic. Um, next week, Nathan will be here talking about the same thing um and uh, i'll be out at ross and so um, last week, Rick kicked us off here uh, as we dove into mental illness. And so just a, uh, obviously, we're aware that these are some heavier topics that we're dealing with, some things that have some real personal baggage along with them for, uh, for some of us here. And uh, so we, we're aware of that. Uh, but we have gotten so much great feedback about how much people appreciate the fact that we're diving into some of these harder topics that people usually just avoid talking about. So today as we jump in, we're talking about anxiety. Uh, I want to let you know that according to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders as a group are the most common mental disorders among Americans Affecting 18% of people in any given year. Over 20% of those affected by anxiety disorders are considered to have high severity problems. Representing more than 4% of the U.S. population. That means when you're out and about walking the streets that 4 out of every 100 people that you pass likely has a severe anxiety disorder. I tell you all that just to let you know that it's a real problem here in America. It's something that is becoming more and more of an issue, Um, and it's one of those things that we just don't talk about. A lot of people don't seek help about, and so uh, we want to be aware that the uh, that the issue is real when it comes to anxiety. Last year, I was in a season of my life. I say unrest. I was really probably in a pretty dark place, and, uh, but there was nothing horrible going on on the outside. You know, my life seemed normal, um, you know, there wasn't any kind of big problem that I really kind of knew about, but I just was, uh, I wasn't doing well. And, uh, and, and because of that, I was having problems sleeping. I would go to sleep like normal, but about two hours in, my eyes would pop open and I would just have the inability to fall back asleep just closing my eyes and holding them shut to try to just kind of drift back on into sleep would, uh, would really be a problem. They, they would, it's like they would just slam back open. And, uh, and I was just, you know, kind of, it was freaking me out a little bit. And I was like, man, I think I'm really having some anxiety problems here. But it wasn't anything that I talked to anyone about. I just kind of ignored it. I complained to my wife about it, you know, like, hey, I'm having a really hard time sleeping or I'm not getting enough sleep. And... You know, anytime I complain about anything to Katie, she's always about the fix. Like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, nothing, you know. And so that's kind of how I operate. It's how I dealt with it. I would move out to the couch and uh, try to find, see if moving locations would help. And, uh, and I just kind of went along that way. It made me miserable. Um, and it made whatever darkness that was going on, I mean, you know, I have a healthy I have a healthy marriage, I have healthy kids, I had a great job, I had all these things that, you know I mean, from the outside seemed like that they were just fine, but there I was, stuck in the middle of this kind of blah, but I didn't want to talk about it with anybody, and, uh, and eventually it just started getting less and less, and it just kind of went away without me really having to deal with it. I tell you all that because when I was given the assignment of anxiety as a topic, I kind of felt a little guilty about getting what I considered to be the easiest of all of these things to talk about. I just mentioned Nathan's talking about suicide, and we know what what a huge topic that is for him to cover and you'll find out more about that next week but you know it it just felt like you know I really was thinking to myself I have to be really careful not to minimize anxiety because it's nothing I've ever dealt with personally that's what I was thinking when I went into this and then I started doing the research and then I started digging into the topic and then I started you know really trying to study and it was like a, uh, a blind was pulled off of my eyes as I began to realize man, I was really struggling with some stuff that I just really decided not to deal with. As I learned more and more about anxiety, I really realized that, man, oh, hey, I've done that. I've experienced that. I've experienced that. I've experienced that. And it became clear to me that uh, this topic that we're dealing with today is much bigger than sometimes we want to make it out to be. As a guy, I dealt with my anxiety the way I deal with everything in my life is that I just ignored it. You know, that's kind of how I deal with injuries. It's how I deal with sickness. It's how I deal with anything. I just shove them way down there and forget about them, and I just pray that they're going to go away. I pretend they don't exist. And let me tell you that this is not a healthy way to handle anxiety or anything else. And as we begin today, I want to echo a few things that Rick made points about last week as we kind of dive in here. The first thing is that we've got to end the stigma of talking about these things. It's one of the things that Rick told us last week in our message. If you were here, you can check it out online or on the app to, to get caught up. Whether we're talking about mental illness or whether we're talking about anxiety, we have to end the stigma about talking about these things. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to face it. And it doesn't help us at all. The second thing is is that it's okay to not be okay, right? It's, It's okay that we're struggling. It's okay that we're hurting. It's okay that we're dealing with some of these emotions. We just can't remain there. We have to be willing to seek help. We've got to be willing to talk to somebody. We've got to be willing to do whatever it is that we need to do to get better. When I was in my 20s, my sister went away to college in Kentucky. See, I had stayed home for college. And when my sister decided that she was going to go away, my mom began to experience some real anxiety. You know, she just did not deal well with the fact that my sister was three hours away living at college. And it wasn't that, you know, all moms kind of empty nest thing. It was really manifesting itself in a place that wasn't really healthy for her. And I can this was probably the first time that I remember dealing with anybody who was dealing with anxiety on a real level. Like it was real for me as I was seeing it. And I can just remember being so flippant about it and just kind of so callous about it. Just being like, mom, Jessica is fine down at school. Like, just don't worry about it. Like, you know, just stop worrying and it'll be fine. As if it was a switch that she could just flip on or off. I didn't understand. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't going through it. So it was really easy for me to say, hey, don't feel this way. Don't think this way. Don't do this. And that wasn't the answer for her. Luckily, my mom was much wiser than I am. And she sought out her doctor and they talked and they had a plan. And my mom was able to come up with some solutions that helped her get through those four years of my sister being at school. We need to talk about anxiety. The definition of anxiety, or one of them that we can use today, is that it is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Anxiety has a bunch of possible symptoms or effects, um, and we want to list them out today. They're going to be up on your screen. Some of them are restlessness, being easily fatigued, difficulty concentrating, irritability, muscle tension, or sleep disturbance. As you can obviously see, I've dealt with a few of those as I talked about. 40 million adults in the U.S. are living with an anxiety disorder. Approximately 8% of children and teenagers experience an anxiety disorder. This is a stat that I got from some of the materials that Kyle, our student minister, gave me to research. And one of the things that was uh, made evident to me was this. Teens surveyed say that 70% feel anxiety is a problem with their peers. What this is saying is that there was a group that went out and they they surveyed a bunch of teenagers and asked them if they felt like that their friends dealt with anxiety. 70% said their friends deal with some form of anxiety. And teenagers, I know that... it's real. So it's as mo- much real as it ever has been. The, the difficulties and the things that you're dealing with. And we understand that you're going through this. We want you to know that there is hope for you and there is hope, hope for us as we deal with and think about this idea of anxiety. One of the things that we need to understand is that there is a wide spectrum of anxiety. Anxiety. Everyone experiences some form of anxiety, and so the spectrum ranges from what we may consider normal or small amounts of anxiety to levels that disrupt normal, everyday life. So when is it truly a disorder? There's no golden standard. It requires interview and observation from a professional, but at the end of the day, most counselors would say that it is truly a disorder when it begins to affect a person's daily functioning. Have you been there? Have you felt that level of anxiety before where it begins to step in and creep into your normal daily life? And I was miserable during that time where I couldn't sleep. It was starting to affect how I functioned. And so those are the things that we have to pay attention to. It's also important to remember that everyone experiences things differently. We can't minimize or discount someone else's experience because it's different than ours. We can't judge a person's inability to cope with whatever the situation is when it comes to anxiety. I didn't understand why my mom was having such a hard time with my sister going away to college. I was glad to see her go. And so I couldn't relate but that doesn't make it any less real for the person that's going through it. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that we don't feel what they feel. And we're not going through what they are going through. So it's really easy for us to just give out, you know, these random bits of advice. Oh, just don't worry. Just stop, you know. That's not helping. And so we need to realize that. I want us to take a look at what I call the cycle of anxiety. And uh, the cycle is this. It's up here on the screen. And so at the top we have anxiety. And uh, and the next step would be avoidance. And so I'll, I'll paint this picture out to you. Maybe you get an envelope in the mail. And it's a bill. And it's a bill that you don't want to deal with. It's a bill that you're nervous about because you don't have the money to pay it. It's a credit card that you never should have taken out. And it's got a balance on it that you don't know what to do with. And so one of the things that we sometimes do... When we get something like that and we don't want to deal with it, one of the things that we do is we avoid it. So you get that envelope and it comes in the mail and it's laying on your counter and you don't want to deal with it. What do you do with it? You open up a drawer, slide that envelope in, and you close the drawer. Now, go down to the bottom. That creates a short-term relief from anxiety. Can't see it, not going to think about it anymore, out of sight, out of mind. But, did that solve any problems? No. What it's going to do, it's going to create long-term anxiety growth. Because those envelopes are going to keep stacking up. And those envelopes are going to turn into phone calls. And those phone calls are going to turn into your car being repossessed. Or your house being foreclosed on. You will eventually have to deal with the thing that's in that envelope. One way or another. And so when we are talking about anxiety, avoidance is an answer that people use to deal with their anxiety. But it's not the answer. And it's not going to create any kind of long-term health. It's only going to result in long-term anxiety growth. And so we've got to break the cycle and one of the ways we do that is that we create some healthy habits that we can put into place to help us to deal with our anxiety. And so we're going to share three of those here today that we feel like would help you in dealing with your anxiety. The first one is that you've got to check your input. What, what's going in, right? We've we got we to deal with what is being poured in to ourselves. all right? And so we want to take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. All right? I um, want you to read this along with me. Uh, you can do that in your Bible, or it'll be up on the screen. And we're looking in the NIV here. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Will be with you. Now I want you to understand there's a fine balancing act that we have here. Paul in this passage of Scripture says, Do not be anxious about anything. Jesus tells us, Don't worry, or he says countless times, do not be afraid. And there's there's some simple directives that we find in Scripture that just say, hey, don't do these things. Because they're unhealthy and because you don't need to do them. And I understand that and we understand that. That's not what Jesus wants for us. He doesn't want us to have anxiety. He doesn't want us to worry. He doesn't want us to be afraid. The tension is, is that when you're in the midst of this, when you're facing this, when you're dealing with this, sometimes just hearing or simply somebody saying, don't be anxious about anything, it doesn't really help. It's not helping me deal with this. And so we have to balance this tension where scripture says don't do these things and the reality that we often do these things anyway. And so scripture's not wrong, it's just not that we can sometimes turn off these things. And we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit, but I want you to see that we live kind of in that tension. And so this first one, the first thing that we're focused on is that we need to check our inputs, right? What are, what's going in? What are you talking about on a regular basis? Who are you talking to? How much time are you spending in the Word of God? How much time are you spending in prayer? What are your conversations focused on? Are you having negative conversations all the time? And I want you to hear me. It's not a matter of your faith. It's not a matter of if you only spent more time in God's word, if you only had enough faith, you wouldn't experience this anxiety. If you only believed harder, you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. That's not what it's saying. It's just saying that, hey, we need to be focused on and be aware of what it is that we're putting in here. Who we're talking to, what we're talking about, how much time we're spending in God's word. Here the Apostle Paul says don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He's saying, I want you to cry out to God. I want you to tell God what it is that you're going through. He says, I don't want you to be anxious about it. He goes, I want you to be praying about it. He also says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says, those are the things I want you to be focused on. Those are the things I want you to be thinking about. Those are what I want you to be Filling yourself with. So the first step of dealing with our anxiety is that we've got to be able to do a real evaluation of ourselves. What are we being filled with? Is it the word of God? Is it the peace of our Lord? Is it the truth of Jesus? Or are we just sitting in negativity? Spending all of our time binge-watching shows or doing whatever it is that that is not productive and not helping with the situation. second thing we need to do is that we need to learn how to self-talk. We need to learn how to speak to ourselves. Some days we need a pep talk, and the only person that's going to give it to us is us. I want to read a passage of Scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's found in the Message And just because I like the way it really kind of addresses this topic, let's take a look at it. It says, The world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing, or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers, erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. He's saying, listen... I need a pep talk. And Paul gives himself one. In the NIV he says we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Sometimes you have to fire your inner critic. Sometimes the voice that is in your head is doing nothing but tearing you down. Sometimes the voice that is inside your head is telling you nothing but how worthless you are. And sometimes you've got to put a stop to that. We're going to put a graphic up on this screen. It's entitled, What If I Fail? And there's two completely different versions here. Part of you could say, What if I fail? Well, if I fail, I'm a failure. And that means shame. But what if your perspective was this? What if I fail? Well, I'm learning. And that's compassion. What if I fail and I get back up and I try again? And I try again. See, it's all about our perspective and how we deal with what it is that we're going through. We need to check our input, what we're putting in. And sometimes we've got to learn how to talk to ourselves and pick ourselves up. And sometimes we need to learn how to self-care. We've got to stop the glorification of busy and set healthy boundaries. Consider creating a life that you don't need a break from. You ever heard people say that? Man, I just need a break from life. I need a break. What if we could create a life that we don't need a break from? How do we declutter and rebalance? And let me tell you, if you don't believe that these devices are creating anxiety in ourselves and in our teenagers and in our world, you need to wake up, are constantly being connected, constantly having to respond to everything. People have the ability to get at us 24-7 is creating anxiety in not just us, but in our kids. And teenagers, we've got to learn to be able to put them Down. If we want to truly find peace. It's not an excuse to shrink from responsibilities. Doing something that makes you feel good in a moment, like a spending spree, but that will make you stress later, overdrawn bank account, is not true self-care. So it's not just about doing something that makes you feel better. Can you pray for the peace of God if there's nowhere to store it in your life? It won't stay. I want to turn your attention to the program. In the program, you'll find a scorecard that you can take a small test that will help you try to rate your anxiety level. You might find it helpful to know what your next step might be based on the score that you find, or maybe you have a loved one that you feel like dealing with that and you want to share that with them. Last week, we had a mental illness scorecard as well, and those are available out at the table where we have a counselor present that you can talk to if you feel like that you really need to speak with somebody today or find out more about next steps. But on the backside of that, we've created a little tool. And at the beginning, at the top of it, it just says breathe. And what this is created for is that if you're facing anxiety, just an anxious moment, and you want to feel like that there's a way, a path that you can try to learn how to deal with getting through those moments... This is just a, an exercise that you can do that's about breathing and praying and reading scripture. Now, I understand. If you're facing anxiety at a high level, this may not be the answer for you. You probably need to talk to a professional. You probably need to seek some help. But this may be a help for some of us that are dealing with some moderate anxiety or just trying to get through a moment. Whether it's going back to school or whether it's just in the midst of a really tough day. And so here's what it is. It reminds us at the top to breathe. And then it walks us through these passages, this this passage of scripture that we just read before. Part one. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Breathe. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Breathe. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Breathe. Right? And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Breathe. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. It's a reminder that God is near. That God is with you. That he wants you to be thinking about and praying about these positive things that are going on. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul tells us not to be anxious about anything. And and I just got to ask the question, is that even possible to live a life empty of anxiety and worry? How is that even a thing? Uh, Paul lays it out. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And we got to ask the question, like, how do we even do that? and i want to be careful not to minimize or discount anxiety as if we can simply just say stop doing it and that's going to fix everything i do believe that the things we've listed out learning how to self-care learning how to self-talk right that uh, that if we can do those things if we can lay those th- things out if we can check our inputs that those things are going to help us but sometimes they're more than we can deal with. And we should talk to our doctor. And we should talk to a professional. For some of us, we need to follow some advice. We need to follow some instructions and find peace and know that in Philippians chapter 4, when Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, that later on, just down from that in the chapter, as he's talking about how he could possibly do this, he lets us know that it's not under his power. Right? He, he, he finds it this most famous passage of scripture, Philippians 4.13, maybe you've heard it. He says this, he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. How how can I do it? How How can I be anxious free? How can I not worry about anything? How can I live a life like that? How can I find contentment in this world? Paul says, he says, I can't do it on my own. He says, I found that I can do all of this through Christ. And that's where we're going to find our peace. That's where we're going to find our hope. That's where we're going to find our healing. I want you to hear something today. If you or a loved one's been battling with anxiety or depression, if you felt like your world's spinning out of control, I want to pull just one little phrase out of this passage we've been focused on today. In the midst of Philippians passage, Paul shares this truth with us, and I want you to hear it today. He says this to us. He says the Lord is near. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we just need to hear that that God is near and that he cares deeply for you. The Bible says that in Psalms 34:18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're going to be serving communion today, I want to release you to go back to the back and uh, prepare for that. Now, I want to give a shout out and a special thanks to Amanda Porter. She is a psychiatric nurse practitioner at the Lindner Center of Hope, and she shared with me some uh, notes from a class she teaches at Whitewater Crossing called Faith and Anxiety. And uh, without her notes, this message wouldn't have been possible. She show, shared so many great things with me. Here's the truth. Anxiety may be something that you deal with from now on, but it is manageable and there is hope both from your physical symptoms and your emotional ones if you're willing to work it, if you're willing to seek help, if you're willing to talk to somebody. And if you've ever had a loved one that's dealt with anxiety, maybe you felt like that you said the wrong things, you didn't know what to say I want to share with you a few things, just, just some ideas. And, and honestly, this would work with, in so many scenarios, but specifically with anxiety and mental health. The number one thing that you need to hear, that they need to hear, that you need to be able to say is, I'm here for you. The people that are struggling, the people that are dealing with this need to know that somebody is there for them. And so if you can just communicate, I'm here for you, that will go such a long way. Second thing that you can communicate to them is, you are strong, and I believe in you. You're strong. You can do this. They need encouraged. They need picked up. They need to know that somebody sees something in them. And so if you can encourage them with strength. You are strong, and I believe in you. Third thing that you can communicate to them is that you are loved. People need to know that they're loved. And they need to know that they're loved by you. And that they're loved by God. And so that's something you can communicate And here's the last thing. You can communicate to somebody, please don't give up. You're not alone. They need to hear that. They need to hear it. You know, I was sharing before about my sleep problem and just kind of the the darkness that I was in about a year ago. I never really dealt with it. And going through this message series, I've learned that that's really not their Correct approach. Just because the symptoms are gone doesn't mean that it's gone. And so now I've got these indicators, these things that I can watch for. I was talking to our counselor that we got out there, and she says the body knows. We've got to pay attention to what's going on in our body. We've got to pay attention to our sleep habits and our, and our feelings and how, how, we're, how we're doing physically because it will communicate to us if there's something that is out of whack. And i got to pay attention to that. And i got to be willing to end the stigma by being willing to talk about it with other people. Let me leave you with this. this passage of scripture that we pulled out again. That, that if my prayer could be this for you, here's what it would be. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I pray for a hope that transcends anything that we can understand. We feel trapped and lost and like that we're never going to get out of this. And Jesus says there is a hope that transcends what you can even think is possible. And my prayer is that for you. Would you pray with me? Dear only Father, thank you so much for your hope and your peace that you offer. So many in this world are suffering with anxiety and worry and doubt and fear, God, and I just pray that you would bring peace and hope and healing. God, some of us need to step up and talk and and just find somebody to unburden ourselves and just to deal with the mess that we've been dealing with. God, and some of us just need to seek your face, and we just need to pray, and just need to work through some of the things that we got on our hearts, God, and I just pray for that kind of healing, I just pray for that kind of action, that we would be willing to do what it is that you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.